good early morning, right? If it's 30 minutes past midnight, isn't it the morning time? Good early morning to all the folks out there listening to me. It is approximately midnight plus 30 minutes. February the 26th, 2020, Pacific Standard Time. That's right. Just about 30 minutes after midnight. Can you hear that clock ticking?
Yes, indeed, folks, it's your good friend Dan in Little Saigon. Little Saigon, Seattle, and it is 30 minutes past midnight here. I'm just staring out into the darkness of that new morning. Some of you <laughs> on the East Coast, you're still asleep because it's, what, 3 a.m.? Some of you further west of me, you're still living in yesterday. Maybe, right? Some of you are beyond the international dateline, which means you're beyond being saved. right. Some of you live beyond the line of salvation. Yes, indeed, it is the plague year. It is Plague Wednesday now. Hump day, but by the end of the year 2020, Wednesday will be known as Body Dump Day. Yes, every Wednesday morning, you'll have to take your, you know, people out to the sidewalk. Maybe your friend, your family, your mom, your dad. Could be a grandma, your grandpa. You gotta sit them down in a chair on the sidewalk. They might not yet be dead, but like a Monty Python skit, they're nearly dead. Or dead enough, right? Dead enough for King County. Dead enough for taco time. They'll pick up your mother or father or brother or sister or husband or wife or children. They'll pick your people up at the corner and then give you a voucher for a hundred bucks. so you can buy some food. Yes, Wednesday will be body dump day. It'll also be completely randomly and completely, you know, coincidental free taco Wednesday. 
Yes, every Wednesday, you'll get free tacos from Taco Time. Don't ask about the taco meat. We've discussed this before. If you ask about the taco meat, that's a good way to end up inside the fucking taco. Full disclosure, because I am an anarchist and because I no longer vote, despite the fact that, yes, I had a good interview with Adam Kokesh, and I think I'm going to try to interview him again, and he seems like a good guy, but listen, folks, (laughs) I'm a 50-year-old man, and I have been so fucked with my whole fucking life that it would take almost an act of God on the scale of Jonah being swallowed by a fucking whale to get me to vote. Why? Because A, I don't think it works. I don't think it works. I think you go into that booth and your vote is totally, mathematically, inconsequential and rigged. So there is no chance in hell that you will ever vote yourself a better world. And if you're a libertarian or a small government Republican, I know, I know, they say there's three of them. Three small government Republicans still left, nearly extinct. Not enough for a breeding group, so they will be extinct soon. Yeah, if you're a small government Republican hoping that the more you vote... That somehow you'll vote your way to freedom? That'll never happen. The only thing you'll achieve with voting is telling the magical crocodile, aka government, how much you love it. And how much you love it and you want to stroke its cock and you want to give it a warm hug and you want to give it a, a deep tongue kiss and stick your tongue so deep into that fucking crocodile that you can taste the bile. That is what happens when you vote. Voting is like sucking the cock of the government. It does nothing for you. It helps you in no way whatsoever. In fact, it wastes your fucking time and energy. It causes you to get angry with people you love. It causes you to get into fights at home. The net effect of the political street theater of America is broken families, broken friendships, and a lot of fucking debris in this wasteland of a completely bullshit government. Yeah, that's what you get from voting. If you suck cock in Pioneer Square, you'll get 20 bucks. If you go into that voting booth and suck cock, you don't get nothing. So why don't you just, if you like sucking cock, go down to Pioneer Square and do it 20 bucks a pop, maybe 60. If you're good at it, you might get 80. And a good cocksucker, he can get that 80 bucks in about 10 minutes. No, I don't know myself, and I don't think I'll ever do that if I have to. That's one of the things I don't think I'll do. 
But I'm certain, based upon estimates I've seen on back pages, that yes, if you're good at sucking cock, you could probably make 80 bucks an hour. Even if you don't swallow. And as disgusting as that is, as disgusting and nasty as that is, voting is nastier and more disgusting. Because even if it did fucking work, it is an act of aggression against your neighbors. Now, I didn't want to get into this with Adam Kokesh because he's got a kind of positive vibe. I have kind of a negative vibe. It's like an acid in a base. If you mix them together, you get plastic. And nobody wants to listen to plastic for an hour. So I decided to kind of bite my tongue and not get in any kerfuffles. But the fact is, I disagree with a lot of people like Adam Kokesh who see voting as victimless, as kind of a, an act that has no real consequences. Actually, it has terrible fucking consequences, especially if it worked. But because it doesn't work, it's just as bad. And the point is, you're being suckered by it. You're being sucked into it. Vote, vote, vote. Now, all that being said, if Adam Kokesh actually won the Libertarian nomination, which I think, I think he would be great. Here, here's, what I'll, here's what I'll say. I have a basic heuristic. Anything good for this country will never be allowed by the system. Anything. I don't care what it is. Non-fluoridated water protecting the Puget Sound from noise pollution from the U.S. Navy, ending the war on terror, ending the war on marijuana. Anything that would actually be good for this country, like Ron Paul as president, will never fucking happen. They dangle that bullshit out there to keep you coming back. It is the worst kind of marketing scam ever. And, and we keep going back. Well, I don't. Not after 2016. But a lot of you guys do. Here's a little fact. The last election I voted in was 2012. The last president I voted for, <laughs> which is funny, was Gary Johnson when he ran in 2012. Now, I voted for gay marriage in 2012. I'll admit this. In retrospect, I wish I hadn't because now what I know about marriage and the government and what I've accepted, if you want to be with someone for your whole life, you should do that. If you need a government certificate to be with someone and to dedicate your life to them, you shouldn't be with them. That's how I feel about marriage, gay or otherwise. As far as legal marijuana goes, to this fucking day, you can be blocked from having a job if they find THC in your urine, which is ridiculous because you could go and be drunk at work, and unless they spot check you, they're not going to find out. In fact, the last contract I worked at Microsoft, one of my managers bragged and said, Hey Dan, I have alcohol in my office. So clearly, Microsoft has a fucking double standard, you know? Although they really don't. I think they're okay with potheads. But the truth is, I still get harassed, but it's worse than that. 
to this fucking day, Uncle Ike's and all these fucking marijuana businesses cannot use the banking system. Okay? They're cash-only businesses to this fucking day. Now meditate on this shit for a second. If this quote-unquote pandemic plays out, we're probably going to see the cashless society. What the fuck happens to the marijuana industry when that happens? I'll, I'll let you know, it's over. It's not a little over. It goes automatically back to the black market, but how? There's no cash, so how the fuck is the black market going to function? Oh, it'll use Bitcoin. Really? The blockchain that keeps your data forever? Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, I'm going to go buy weed on the corner of 50th and University, like I used to before it was legal. I'm going to go down to the jack-in-a-box and go up to the dude in the alley who basically probably knows nothing about the blockchain, to be blunt. And I'm going to say, listen, buddy, I'd like to buy, I'd like to buy a dub. That's what you say, a dub. Can I buy a dub? Yeah, sure. Can I have 20 bucks? Oh, sorry. We're a cashless society now, but I can give you some Bitcoin. And the drug dealer walks the other way. And you say, well, Dan, isn't there like the Silk Road and don't, don't people do black market with crypto? Yeah, they do. And these are really stupid people. I work in data mining. The public key from an elliptical encryption transaction for creating a wallet is what is known as, and I'm going to say this again, a strong key. What's a strong key? Well, back before, you know, illegal immigration was so critical to this country and all of our social security numbers got ripped off, you could have considered your social security number a strong key. Which means it's either unique or nearly so. Your public key on the blockchain, once it gets correlated to an IP address, one of your fucking QFC shopper cards, or your credit card number. Now it's locked. Now the NSA, the CIA, and anyone else doing the data mining, lots of private companies do it now because, hey, it's public as fuck. They know who you are, they know what you did, and they know this forever. So no, I, I don't see the pot dealers on the corner of University and 50th using crypto. No offense, but I'll tell you what, if any of you fuckers believe they are right now, because they should be right now, before the plague gets big, why doesn't some fucker listening to me who wants to put his fucking money where his mouth is go on down with me to the corner of 50th and University with your fucking Bitcoin, and you try to fucking buy some weed? Wake the fuck up. I promise you, one of the effects of this pandemic will be the cashless society. And like a steel door closing shut, the marijuana business will cease to exist. Or at least it'll be driven so far underground that a lot of people, like yours truly, who use it to treat anxiety, will just go back to being angry all the time. Which is just really great because it's so much better for society if we're angry all the time.
Dan, can't you just take an SSRI like me? Oh, I'm sorry. Didn't you shoot up a school last week? Yeah, I voted to legalize marijuana in 2012, and technically speaking, it never happened. It really didn't. It never happened. Um, there's something called the Tenth Amendment to the Constitution. This amendment states very specifically that any rights not enumerated or given to the federal government are reserved for the states. Which also means that if the Constitution doesn't talk about weed prohibition, guess what? That's up to the states. So technically, in 2012, after that election, the Attorney General of Washington State, if it hadn't have been a motherfucker, should have gone to the feds and said, guess what? The people of the state of Washington have spoken. And if we can't use your banking system, Maybe we'll create our own fucking bank. But that didn't happen either, did it? No, it didn't. So please, if you're going to talk to me about fucking voting, stop. I want to fucking punch you in the face. I really do. It makes me so fucking angry to realize how fucking stupid I was for so many fucking years. What a fucking waste of time all this political garbage is. Like I said, I like Adam Kokesh. He's the kind of guy, you know, like Dr. McPherson, I'd love to drink a beer with, hell, smoke a joint with. But does that mean I believe that voting for him or anyone else in 2020 has any fucking significance whatsoever? No. It is possible, however, and, and I will grant this. It is possible that if Adam Kokesh wins the nomination for the Libertarian Party, it's possible that he could put together a machine that might create positive change. I don't think he'll win, but as the next big head of the Libertarian Party, I mean, someone who has the potential, I think charismatically also, to take over where Ron Paul and others left off, and where Gary Johnson basically abandoned his post, bake the fucking cake. You know what, Gary, go get baked, okay? Fuck you, bake the cake. If I'm running a bakery and you say, hey, Dan, I'm a transgender dolphin. Hey, Dan, I'm a 50% mongrel freak. Hey, Dan, I'm a Satanist. Let's talk about that for a second. Let's say Uncle Dan had a bakery and you're a fucking Satanist and you wanted me to make a cake in the shape of a baby being sacrificed, but it's only devil's food. It's only devil's food, Dan. It's only sugar and cream. It's not really a baby being sacrificed. I still would not make the cake. I wouldn't bake it. Sorry, I'd say, you know what, sir? I'd say it respectfully. I'd say, listen, sir, 
We live in a very fallen world. There are probably more places that will bake a satanic cake than a Christian cake. So you know what? Take your money someplace else, respectfully, and fuck you and Satan. But Gary Johnson said bake the cake, and in that sense, he revealed himself and he revealed the nature of the whole thing. It's all bullshit. The whole thing's bullshit. Trump is bullshit, folks. And if you have tremendous faith in government, please riddle me this. There's a good chance, I would say a 90% chance, that this COVID-19 is a bioweapon. Okay, it is not something that crawled out of a wet market in Wuhan. That is a load of bullshit. It's not a bad case of bat soup, deflator mouse. No, 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 it's not deflator mouse. It's not bat scratch fever. I think it's a 90% chance it's a bioweapon. And you know who loves to make bioweapons even though it's illegal? Governments all around the world. It is technically illegal. And yet... They spend billions making these things. Isn't that funny? We voted for weed to be legal, and they can't use the banking system. But if I opened a biolab to create some nasty fucking gunkus, I bet I could get three or four loans tomorrow. You need to think about that shit. You need to let that shit drill into your fucking head. If I want to open a pot business, I cannot use the banking system. If I want to open a bio-war business, guess what? I can use the banking... Oh yeah, well, you know, you gotta get approval by DARPA. Well, of course. But once I have my DARPA get-out-of-jail-free card, then I can open up a line of credit with Chase. I can have a foreign bank account through Deutsche Bank. Well, <laughs> as long as they exist. But they're too big to fail, right? I can have sideline credit with Bank of America. And I'll have a trading desk with JP Morgan because you know something? If you're going to be making bioweapons, you need to consider derivatives as hedges against whatever's going to happen, right? Bioweapon business is difficult. So no, I, I'm kind of, I know this is a screed about voting, but I don't want to tell you guys. I like Adam Kokesh. I am not trying to beat up on him. I'm actually trying to meditate. You know, we had such a good interview that I'm still thinking about it. And you should, as an intelligent person, you should always be willing to ask the question, could I be wrong? Every day. I'm a Christian. I have faith in God. I'll let you in a little secret. The could I be wrong thing led me to God. And I'll also let you in another little secret. The could I be wrong thing might one day lead me away. If I'm being honest about who I am, about the free will that the Lord in heaven gave me, it's entirely plausible that the very thought process that led me to God could lead me away. You have to be willing to accept that every fucking day. You have to be willing to say to yourself as a mantra, could I be wrong?
Next topic. Now, I know I mentioned to you guys a few months ago that I had this weird feeling about Tulsi. And no, not because she's kind of attractive. I think she's kind of attractive. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think people can be, photo, can be photogenic um, in terms of the media, but in person can sometimes be kind of, you know, not so attractive. So she might be in real life not very attractive, but she's, you know, from what I've seen the pictures, she seems attractive. And um, a few months ago, I got this general notion that, you know what? She might be the perfect stealth candidate. She has very little political history. She's very young, but she's old enough. She has military background, which appeals to all the fucking neocons. Um, I believe she's part of the, the Council on Foreign Relations, CFR. I think she attended CFR meeting, so she's part of that in some way. I think I thought Tulsi Gabbard would be perfect. I am now, but I also said this, you know, in fairness to myself, I said if it's not Tulsi, it's Trump. You know, Trump would have to be the good guy, not according to voting, but according to the narrative. I did not watch tonight's debate, but the debate rings this out. Tulsi. Unless, unless by some weird fluke, Sanders, Bernie Sanders, is allowed to win the nomination, which I hate to break it to you, I don't think that's going to happen. I really don't. It could, it might, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think between now and the convention, there'll be shenanigans and there'll be dirty tricks. And no, I don't think it's going to be Bloomberg either. In fact, I think Bloomberg's only purpose in this whole fucking thing is to act as a spoiler, is to be the other old, oh God, people are going to accuse me of being anti-Semitic. His job is to be the other old Jew, okay? Again, I don't hate Jewish people, but, but believe me, between Bernie Sanders and Bloomberg, it's like you're watching a couple old ladies yell at each other. I don't care. They're both crazy to me. They both want to steal my money and steal my freedom. Fuck them. Fuck them both. I think Bloomberg's purpose is to basically muddy the water. I don't think there's any way that he could win. I don't think he believes he could win unless he's an idiot. And people tell me that he's not an idiot, that he's an intelligent guy. Well, if Bloomberg is an intelligent guy, then he must know, and he must be in on it, his only purpose is to be a spoiler. But I'll go further. I don't, I think Bernie's in on it too. This is all theater. This whole thing's theater. Back in 2016, when Bernie lost, when he should have won, what did he end up with? I think he ended up with a house on Fire Island. Yeah. His give me his gift for playing his role was a wonderful house on Fire Island. Well, that's kind of nice. I, I think if you gave me a choice between being president and having a vacation home on Fire Island or Lake Winnipesaukee or some fancy ass like the Hamptons, fucking A, Martha's fucking Vineyard. There's a lot of nasty shit that happens there with rich people. Yeah, I think Bernie's in on it too, folks. That's my point. The whole thing is theater. It's not real. None of it. The only thing real about it is the tyranny. But all this stuff where you think you have power and you're going to vote and you're going to change things by voting, 
that's theater. That's bullshit. That's designed to confuse people. And it has no practical impact. So I'm telling you right now how I feel. Tulsi's out until 2024. There is a 25% chance that Bernie Sanders wins the nomination. If he does, I think there's a 75% chance he picks Tulsi Gabbard. I really do. Because for the narrative, a Bernie-Tulsi combination is great storyline. It, it makes for a great story. It doesn't mean that they win, but the reason why I don't think that's going to happen is because Tulsi, I think, is a prime-time actor. She's not a second party. She's not a Biden, okay? She's more like an Obama or a Trump, but probably even better in, that, in, in terms of the, you know, the acting and the performance. And in that sense, I think she's up for 2024. In fact, I think that's why she's kind of like, you know, she's still campaigning, but I don't see any evidence that she thinks she's going to get the nomination. I think she's campaigning for the VP slot, but <laughs> I don't know. Unless it's Bernie, she's not going to get it. None of the others. Warren, are you fucking kidding me? Cherokee Warren? I was a Cherokee for, for what? She was a fucking Cherokee Indian for how many fucking decades? And then now she's not. But somehow lying for all that time is no big deal. Like if Uncle Dan said, like what if Uncle Dan said, my grandfather was a victim of the Holocaust? That's not actually true. My grandfather ran whiskey from Canada during Prohibition. But let's say my grandfather was a victim of the Holocaust. But he's not. And then somebody finds out about that. Do you think I would be treated as well as fucking Elizabeth Warren? Are you fucking kidding me? Go fuck yourself. She's a liar. She's a fucking sneak. She's a scumbag. And it's way more likely she'll be the Democratic nominee than Tulsi Gabbard at this point. Because that's the way the narrative is pointing now. And that also means that as of right now, I think there's a 90% chance that Trump's going to win. Period. Not because of the vote. <laughs> God, I wish people would get over that part of it. But because of the story. You see, I'm not saying they're great writers. They're not. But they're Hollywood writers. And Bernie Sanders, President Sanders, President Bloomberg, President Biden? Yeah, these aren't very good stories. Trump is interesting. Yeah, he's boisterous and loud. He, kind of a rich mook. And he's a total jerk. And he's flamboyantly um, irascible. And he is that orange orangutan king. But he is entertaining as fuck. And so was Obama. Obama was a piece of shit. But man, was he entertaining especially to his constituency, which, yeah, might not have been you, but it was somebody else. Probably the millions of Americans who were anally fucked by the banks in 2008. Obama was the only cure for that fever. He was going to be the magical African-American leader. And he was a fucking disaster, but he was entertaining to the people he needed to be entertaining to. That is the nature of the screenplay called the United States of America. 
So I'm going to adjust my prediction a little. I'm going to say as of right now in the great discontinuity, there's at least a 90% chance that Trump will win re-election, um, unless he gets killed or something. But, you know, you never know. In the great discontinuity, maybe he gets the fucking virus and dies. You see, that's another little interesting side angle to this whole fucking boogaloo flu, is maybe Trump gets the virus and dies. We don't know. Maybe he gets the virus and dies, and maybe Pence becomes president, and he's the one that runs, but he does it heroically. It's like, my fellow Americans, your president is dead. My fellow Americans, your president is dead. And I am now president. And in honor of President Trump, I'm going to run for him in the election next week. Yes, it's true. There's still martial, martial law and a nationwide curfew. It's true. There are checkpoints everywhere. And if you don't have your mask on, we will shoot you in the head. But if you do vote through the new electronic online internet voting system... People are so fucking stupid. I'm sorry. I can't believe I apologized to Adam Kokesh for, for, for calling people children. The products of our public school system, most of them are still children. Wow, you need to think about that too with the weeks coming ahead. Ask yourself how, how the children are going to behave. And I'm not talking about your children. Your children might be well behaved. I'm talking about the products of our public schools. You think they're going to respect property? They don't already. You think that their respect for property will increase with their stress? Please don't be stupid. Think about it. Think about what people will do when they get hungry. They will do anything they have to or they will die. That's it. There might be, and that's not a false dichotomy, folks. It turns out with food, it's an absolute binary. You have food, you live. You don't have food, you die. Okay, period. You die, you're dead without food. There is no vaccine. There is no fucking HIV drug. There is no fucking tobacco cure or like Ebola for fucking famine. The only thing that cures famine is a productive year on the farm. You need to think about that. I know that some of you live in, maybe live in the hinterland. I don't. 80% of all Americans live, live basically the same way I do, in a city or pretty much in an urban setting. That's 8 out of 10 Americans. 8 out of 10 Americans live someplace where there is maybe at most about a month's worth of food total once the trucks stop moving. You think those people are going to respect your property rights more when they get hungrier? Do you think they're going to respect your personal dignity, your, your life, your space when they get more desperate? Is that your basic theory? I think that theory is broken. I think that theory is flawed. 
I think that as people get more stressed out, especially given that they have no moral framework, and I did like the idea that Adam Kokesh kept bringing up, and I think it's important, the concept of ethics instead of aesthetics. Aesthetics, he's right. Aesthetics is how do you want to live your life? Well, he's right. It's up to you. The ethics is what says it's up to you. Do you think these people, when they get desperate, are going to respect your choices? Do you think they're going to respect who you are? Do you think these people have any ethics at all? Because I can promise you they don't teach that in public school. They don't. They don't teach right and wrong. And not a lot of people are going to churches. You know, a lot of people say they believe in God. Yeah, they say they believe in God. They believe in the arena church God, the BMW Jesus God, the health and wealth God, the God that the guy talks about at 2 a.m. on channel 26 and then says, please send me your money. They don't actually believe in Jesus. They believe in BMW Jesus or hookup Jesus or, you know, cocaine Jesus. These aren't actual Jesus. Actual Jesus, there's only, first point, there's only one actual Jesus. That's critical. There's only one God, you know. And two, actual Jesus doesn't promise BMWs or health or wealth or any of those things. But actual Jesus does promise you life everlasting if you believe in him. And if you attempt in some way to live a Christ-like life. Before we switch topics again, do you believe your neighbors are trying to live a Christ-like life? Do you? Well, here's the good news. You're going to find out if this boogaloo flu, if this COVID-19, if whatever the fuck bioweapon this is, is real and as bad as the news makes us believe it is. Listen, I live half a mile from four hospitals, which includes Harborview Medical Center, a level one trauma center. I live in Seattle, which is an Asian tech hub. There were daily flights back and forth, back and forth from China from the first week of December when supposedly the, the bat soup went crazy from the first week of December all the way up until maybe even a week ago. Okay, so even if the incubation period were 30 days, and I don't know anybody who's claiming that that is the average, but even if the median were 30 days, it's almost March which means 90 days. I don't see any signs of it yet here. That's weird. I live on the edge of Chinatown. I, I mean, I, I actually live in Chinatown. I live in the part of the Asian International District called Little Saigon, but it's right next to, you know, Chinatown. I've seen no obvious signs yet. That doesn't mean it's not real. But so far, I've seen no empirical evidence that I can observe. All I've seen is the bullshit that comes across the internet. Now, that being said, I am willing to wager that this might be a real pandemic based upon a bioweapon. Well, okay. Okay. If it is real, we are all going to find out about our neighbors pretty soon in ways we never wanted to. And some of you are going to find out something really cool. And, and it's true. And this is where I'm going to be positive. 
some of you will find out that you have neighbors who are not pieces of shit, that you have neighbors who are willing to help instead of harm, that you have neighbors who are willing to share instead of steal, that you have neighbors who, who actually give a shit about you and you might not even know it. Some of you are going to find out things in the weeks ahead about your neighbors that will make your hearts glow with love. That's good news. Some of you in the weeks ahead are going to find out that even that guy or that gal that invited you over for the wine tasting, oh, you know that really nice couple? The couple that lives down the street, you know, we all live in Maple Leaf. Maple Leaf, Seattle. You ever been to Cloud City Coffee? What about, what about Judy Foo's? That's a good Chinese restaurant. Yeah, some of you live in neighborhoods like Maple Leaf or Ballard or Magnolia in Seattle. And because your neighbors are rich like you, you assume they're good people. Well, that's a flaw. That's a, that's a stupid, stupid assumption on multiple levels. And I don't want to go into all the reasons. I think my listeners are smart enough to know there are different reasons why that's flawed thinking. Yeah. You're going to find out the opposite. You're going to find out that, that your friends who invited you over for a wine tasting, um, when they get hungry, when they don't have food, when they don't have a mask to put on, they're going to become monsters. And they will break into your home. And they will go crazy. And they might even kill you. So if this thing is real, some of you are going to find out that your neighbors are pretty cool. And some of you are going to find out that your neighbors are pretty awful. And some of you will find out that your neighbors are just going to keep their heads down and they're, they might not be one or the other. You might not find out, you know. They might just keep their heads down. You never know. You never know. I was thinking about this, this boogaloo flu, this boo flu, this COVID-19 deflator mouse. I was thinking about it, and I was thinking about Pol Pot today. And if you don't know who Pol Pot was, Pol Pot was a tyrannical dictator and communist leader in Cambodia back in the 70s. There were major um, acts of mass murder under him. Some examples included forcing all the people to, live, to leave the cities and to march into the countryside basically to just become instant farmers. And what Pol Pot found out is what Michael Bloomberg himself doesn't know. Farming isn't easy. And if you take a couple hundred thousand people out of a city, like, you know, I don't know, is that Phnom Penh or something? Phnom Penh. If you take a couple hundred thousand people out of a, out of a city and you say, welcome to the countryside, let's go farm, probably a lot of them are going to die. 
Michael Bloomberg doesn't know this because oh, it's so easy to farm. You know what, Michael? You're probably one of these stupid douchebags that thinks that Norman Borlaug deserved the Nobel Peace Prize. Let me tell you about Norman Borlaug. Norman Borlaug in the 1940s, 50s, and 60s convinced the U.S. agricultural industry to pour chemicals on the land to grow more food. Now, you'd say, well, more food means fewer people starving. <laughs> it's not that fucking simple, asshole. The type of farming he recommended is called intensive farming. And it's the type of farming that will only destroy topsoil, will only pollute the groundwater, will only turn the Gulf of Mexico into what I'm going to call now the Gulf of Poop. That's, that's the legacy of Norman Borlaug, but it gets better. His methodology of farming has a fucking shelf life. It was never going to work long term, ever. Now, he would have said, well, technology will get better so we can pour better chemicals. You know what? We did that, Norman. He's in heaven now. No, excuse me. No, no. Let me correct myself. Norman's in hell now. And to Norman in hell, Mr. Borlaug, we did that. We did the, the Ready Roundup, Monsanto, Track 7. We re-engineered the fucking, the fucking plants to produce their own fucking biotoxins. We did all of it. And we are starting to have crop failures left and right. And I guarantee 2020 is going to be a shitty year uh, for food production. Pretty shitty, pretty terrible. 2021 will, e will be even worse. There is a famine coming, and our good friend Norman Borlaug set us up for it. He set us up for it. He, he enabled us to double our population in the last 50 years. Actually, more than double, triple it, maybe even quadruple it, depending on who you believe. But in reality, all he did was set us up for collapse, and not a simple small collapse. No, no, no. We're not talking about fucking Easter Island here. We're talking about 8 billion people without enough food to eat. You see, I know we're supposed to be afraid of the fucking virus, but guys, men, women, people, listen to me. The virus might be bad. The famine that's coming is going to be fucking terrible. There is no vaccine for hunger. There is no set of drug treatments for starvation. You either have food or you don't. And I know a lot of Americans that have grown up in a push-button culture, but I'll just push a button, Dan. I'll push a button. I'll keep pushing it and food will show up. No, you won't. You won't. And this is assuming that nothing else gets worse. The problem is, though, in the United States of America, mainly east of the Mississippi, we have nearly 100 nuclear reactors. If only a few of those go critical, which they will in a crisis like this, probably one or two, there's entire swaths of this country that are now basically salted earth. You won't be able to raise one fucking thing there. Ever. Well, for, you know, 30 or 40,000 years.
I'm thinking about calling this the Pol Pot pandemic because what if the purpose of this is a lot like, you know, Pol Pot saying, let's leave the cities and all become farmers. It's not about making people into farmers. It's about liquidating people, getting rid of them. Okay, the Norman Borlaug thing was never going to work, ever. It couldn't work. It can't work. Not, in, not unless you believe we are in Eden. But as a Christian, I know we're not. We were kicked out of Eden. So this world is not a magical cornucopia, okay? This is not Eden. And if you're a materialist and a scientist and you don't know what the laws of thermodynamics are, fuck you. Because as a good fucking atheist, you should know. And for the same fucking reasons you should know, this ain't a fucking cornucopia planet. You can keep pushing that button all you want to, like the monkey with the button connected to his fucking cock to give himself, you know, the instant orgasm, but you're just gonna kill yourself eventually. This is the Pol Pot pandemic. Think about what you can do. You can, you can identify people. You can have a guy come by your door with a little device and say, I'm gonna check your fever. They're gonna do this in the city of Seattle. Here's a prediction. The city government of Seattle will work with every single apartment complex in the city. And they'll say, we're going to have a health and wellness caring professional come by and we're going to test people door to door for their fever. Please don't be surprised if statistically certain demographics, certain people of certain political beliefs magically have the fucking woo flu. And if they didn't have it, they're, they're, they sure as, sure as hell will get it. And if they don't get it, they're going to get something. Wow, doesn't this sound like the plot to Winter Soldier? That stupid Marvel film, you know? We just got to kill a lot of people to make things better again.
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe calling it the Pol Pot pandemic is a bit unfair, but unfair to Pol Pot, <laughs> unfair to Pol Pot, you know? Maybe comparing Pol Pot to Bloomberg is unfair because I think Pol Pot might have been more intelligent. But um, yeah, this looks a lot like a thing that has a deeper purpose. And the deeper purpose, we may not know what it is yet, but do I believe that the surface explanation, this is some fucking batshit crazy, you had the wrong fucking, you know, tortilla or taco or burrito at the wrong fucking wet market? <sighs> that could be it. The problem is I've seen some of these papers that deal with the weird proteins and the fact that there are um, sequences that look like HIV. This looks like it's a bioweapon, but I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not a molecular biologist. I have no technical background to tell you one way or the other. It's just right now, from a if I put on my military historian cap, this doesn't look accidental. This looks like a strategic move. The question is, A, who made the move, and B, why? It could. It really could be the Chinese government. I mean, as crazy as this sounds, it's like what Napoleon said. The only thing you can't do with bayonets is sit on them. And so, if you're going to have a tyranny <laughs> and you can't keep everybody happy, don't make the same mistake Hosni Mubarak made in Egypt back in 2011. Release a plague. Maybe I should call this the Mr. Burns virus. this is the Mr. Burns virus. You know, like Mr. Burns from The Simpsons, release the hounds. Well, maybe the Chinese government said, hey, you know, <laughs> things are getting kind of crazy in Hong Kong. And that's spreading. And there's the, the, the Uyghurs, the Uyghurs, the Uyghurs, the Uyghurs, the ones in the, the, the West, the ones, the Muslims, we're trying to kill them, fuck. And then there's the Falun Gong and all the other people and the hidden armies, the people we don't know about, the people they know about. What if the Chinese government knew that it had passed its um, expiration date and it was starting to smell and the people knew this? Well, what do you do? Well, you could start a major war. The problem with that is, is that you might be destroyed by that too. What is the nearest moral equivalent with respect to controlling your population to war? Well, it turns out the Bible helped us out there because, you know, they gave us the horses. Famine, war, pestilence, right, death. Um, I think one of the close siblings to war is a pandemic. I should say, the close sibling to world war is a pandemic because a pandemic is a worldwide epidemic. That's the word pan, not for, you know, Peter Pan. 
<laughs> so the closest thing you can get to World War III is something like the Boogaloo virus. So maybe the Chinese government figured this was the least problematic way to quell disorder. And bonus, fewer people, fewer mouths to feed. As Nancy Pelosi would say, as she did say, in the aftermath of the 2010 earthquake in Haiti, boy, that's going to be good for their economy. Just like Reverso Bastiat in the under-universe, where transgender Napoleon III and him worked together to create Destructo Force, you know, to go around breaking windows. Nancy Pelosi convinced us that that earthquake in Haiti, that was good for them. So maybe Nancy Pelosi met with the Chinese government and said, listen guys, I got a, I got a twofer or threefer. I got a way for you to win. I just read this book that was translated from another multiverse. It was written by a Bastiat, but not our Bastiat. No, a Bastiat that was more like a crooked Keynes. Or rather, if you can imagine John Maynard Keynes, but, but really crazy and drunk and angry, that would be Reverso Bastiat. And his basic proposal was, you know what, Napoleon III, we need an army of people to go around busting windows, breaking down doors, and maybe even raping and killing once a year. And that will give you economic growth. Well, maybe Nancy Pelosi went over to fucking China and said, listen there, Z, Pooh Bear. I have a great idea. I know you are worried about your, you know, political enemies. That sucks. And all the protests. That's terrible. But what if you released the hounds? What if you released the hounds, Z? That's right. If you released the hounds, take care of the, you know, the, the dissidents, just like Tiananmen Square, but you'll kill more. Yeah, it could be that. It could be the Chinese government. It could also be us. Here's a scenario. Those researchers that were working at that institute in Canada, the ones that supposedly stole the coronavirus that looks a lot like this one? What if they were given a poison pill? You know, a lot like, you know, the Allies in World War II taking some dead British officer and shoving the plans for the invasion into his jacket and then pushing him into the sea so the Nazis could find the body? Maybe it was like that. Maybe... Maybe the United States government or some shadowy organization conspired to give the Chinese essentially a very, very dangerous um, pathogen that was designed to basically escape their control. Or maybe they expected them to bring it back there and then all they would have to do is break in and spread it. However you want to fucking paint this. There's a way by which this could be us, folks. I hate to say it, but it could be. I don't know. 
I don't know. But here's what I do know. If this is real, there is going to be a famine. Okay? A famine was a question mark before this. Like, I believe, based upon, you know, 50 years of Norman Borlaug, that the breadbasket of America is about to poop out. I'm pretty certain that's the case. And, you know, the food ain't that great besides, unless you like cancer. Yeah. Hey, folks, how do you think people are going to get their cancer treatments during the pandemic? Well, damn, a specialist will come... No, no... No, no. No one will come by your home. No one will help you. How the fuck are you going to get your chemo? How the fuck are you going to get your radiation if the doctors are sick, if the nurses are sick, if the manufacturers of the chemo, who <laughs> might actually be in China, how are you going to get your cancer treatment? If you have diabetes and you're taking drugs to treat your diabetes, and all of a sudden, blah, 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 you find out you can't get your drugs because they're not even made here. How are you going to manage that? You see, I think people have been thinking about this pandemic in really narrow fucking terms. They have no idea how fragile our current civilization is. They have no idea how close we are to chaos at any given time. Last summer, there was a blackout in Little Saigon few blocks, no electricity for about three hours. Within the first 30 minutes, and I was sitting out on the stoop, so I saw it, there were young people walking around aimlessly, trying to get a signal on their phone, trying to fucking get the internet. They couldn't get shit. And there was this sadness, this nervousness. It was almost like you know, can you imagine if a baby were conscious of having the umbilical cord severed? A lot like that. Looking at a bunch of babies that have just had their umbilical cord severed and they were spanked on the ass and now they're crying. Welcome to the world. That was just three hours. That was no electricity, no internet for three hours. I'm going to leave this podcast the way I started it, kind of. Sort of. With respect to the whole voting thing. But I'm going to kind of like tie it together with a simple question. Every day you should wake up and you should say to yourself, could I be wrong? That is a good thing to do. I do that every fucking day. But here's the other thing you should do too. Don't imagine um, your community, whatever the fuck that is, or your neighbors, simply in the context of good times. Okay, a lot of people, with the exception of maybe Ted Bundy, they tend to behave well in good times. You need to imagine the people around you in bad times. And once you've done that, then maybe you're starting to get mentally prepared for what's coming. Now I gotta beg for money. This is the Little Saigon Report. It is funded through donation. Um, if you have taken care of your food, your water, your shelter, if you picked up a, a wooden baseball bat and driven through a few carpenter nails to get it ready for the people coming by, if you have, if you have your money, you bought your concertina wire and you've already deployed your concertina wire using the proper gloves, because if you don't, you're going to tear up your hands. 
if you bought all your ammo and your gasoline and everything you need, including food for your fucking French bulldog. I love you, Beans, you fuck. Beans is my sister's French bulldog. You know, I think I told her, this is a side note. I said, you know, sis, your last meal, if things get bad, will probably be Beans. And if you didn't know that Beans was her French bulldog, say, oh, well, it's, it's vegan. No, 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 no. Beans is a dog. Her last meal will be Beans. And Beans' last meal. Oh, my God. Poor little Beans. I hope he makes it... Well, do I? Do I hope that Beans makes it through this? I do. I do. <laughs> I love you, Beans, you fuck. Needless to say, if you listen to this podcast and you've taken care of the things you need to take care of, including the people you love, and you still have money left over, and you like my podcast... I would love it if you can donate. You don't have to. Listening in and of itself is a kind of donation. It's a donation of your time. What I would say is, if you want to go beyond that and say, fuck, I, I like Dan, and during the Gumbus flu, during the plague year, wouldn't it be great if you keep the podcast going? Because who's going to tell us about the situation in Little Saigon? Well, you can donate. There will be links to Venmo and PayPal in the description of this podcast. There are also the same links on my SoundCloud homepage, which you can get to conveniently at IamSully.com. But only if you have the money. And if you don't, the next best thing is recommend me to your friends or, or other people. The next best thing is... The next best thing is stay alive. You know? If you're a listener and you have the money, I'd love the help. But if you're a listener, the only other thing I would say is stay alive, keep listening. Take care of yourself and take care of the people you love. You might not be religious, that's okay. But if you're a Christian like me, say a prayer, not just for yourself, but for the world. Say a prayer for peace. Say a, say a prayer asking for the Lord's grace and his compassion. The Lord has has said, and has said is a word for infinite love, a love that cannot be restricted. The Lord in heaven loves us in that way. I believe this in my heart. Now, do I think most humans have hardened their hearts to God? Yeah, because they tend to blame God for shit people do. Like the fucking virus. I gotta say, folks, a lot of people will come out and say, how could there be a God? You know what? There's a God. He gave us free will. This is not fucking Eden. And humans with free will, <laughs> read your fucking Bible because it's in there, often do shitty things. In fact, more often than not, really shitty things. So yeah, there'll be people who blame this on God. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to work out for them. But if you're actually a sensible person, even if you're an atheist, and you want to just do this, meditate on this. Meditate once a day for at least a few weeks during this crisis, for only a few minutes, on the possibility that things could be different, that we could treat each other better. You don't have to pray. If you don't believe in God, just do this. 
meditate on the possibility that we could treat each other better, that we don't have to be at war with each other, that we don't have to treat each other like objects, that we can respect each other. And it doesn't mean we have to all like each other, but we have to be willing to allow each other to exist. And have a great Wednesday.